This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. I'm Sean Drotar. Sandy Club is on my left. Danny Bailey, producer extraordinaire in the booth. Our talk to text lines, 303-831-1340. If you would like to participate in the last football Friday. How, how does this work? I mean, how does this work? This is not really the last football Friday. It is for the Broncos. It's first football Friday of 2024. It is. It's the last one for the Broncos season, though the NFL will continue along for the Broncos I'll give you just the latest of the injury report at the moment. The uh, the big news, Mike McGlinchey with the rib injury that's been bothering him is out, will not play on Sunday against the Raiders. The only other player out is backup tight end Chris Manhurts, so they'll be thin at the tight end spot with Greg Dulcich also on the IR. McGlinchey's loss, of course, is, uh, means that Jared Stidham better uh, get the running shoes ready, although at times Cameron Fleming, who presumably would replace him, has not looked that different for the Raiders. The players that are out, tight end Michael Mayer. But the big news, Josh Jacobs, with a sore quad, will not play. That is uh, not bad news for the Broncos because Jacobs has had a very, very solid career against Denver. Jacobs has also not played in some of the recent games, right. and they have done well, relatively yeah. speaking. Now, yeah. and more of that's been the defense and the offense. A little bit like the Broncos season mm-hmm. in that respect in that you're talking about a defense that was very bad at the beginning of the year, except for the game against Denver. Right. And the Denver defense is really bad at the beginning of the year, except for the game against the Raiders. Well, <laughs> halfway decent. That's how bad these two teams are. And yeah. by the way, these two teams are uh, exempt from finishing in last place, regardless of Sunday's result. One will well, be second nice. and one will be third, but neither will be last. The Chargers have that last place spot clinched. Wow. What a Every shock. bit as much as the Chiefs who clinched the division title for the umpteenth straight year. What is it now? Eight? Yeah. Division uh, titles in a row for Kansas City? Jacobs, as you pointed out, uh, in, was injured in the game against Minnesota and has not played since. So in those last three games since, of course, uh, they lost that game famously 3-0. to zero. Uh, but they smoked the Chargers, 63-21, to 21, without Jacobs. Uh, Zamir White was the leading rusher in that game with 69 yards. And then it got a lot better. When they beat Kansas City, 20-14, White ran for 145. And in the loss against Indianapolis, he ran for another 71. So they're getting effective play, nevertheless. And it's not as if that's an explosive team offensively. But think again, after losing 3-0, they've scored 63 points, 20 points, and 20 points. That doesn't sound amazing, unless you're the Broncos, who, while their offense this year is better than last year, are still not exactly getting near that 24.5 to 25-point-per-game average that most NFL offenses hit when they are a playoff team. We'll, we'll do our exercise next week when the playoff field mm-hmm. is fully established, and we'll take a look at where offenses the, the and defenses rank, teams yeah. rank offensively, defensively, Special teams, we can use the DVOA metric. We can use uh, any number of factors, scoring offense, scoring defense. Um, in taking a look at the average number of points that playoff teams are averaging this year, mm-hmm. my guess is that it will be down from last year because so many offenses, even the very good ones, are down. It is a down year, from last especially year. for passers and the injuries, of course, for quarterbacks. But everything is relative. Well. Uh, right. when, it, when it comes to ranking, mm-hmm. everything is relative. Right. So... Uh, if you're wondering, uh, 
for example, where the Kansas City Chiefs might fall uh, in all of this. Uh, the Chiefs are one of uh, three teams, I believe, that uh, is ranked in the top ten offensively, defensively, on special teams. They're actually, and you know the offensive problems they've had this year, mm-hmm. right? Sixth in offensive I, DVOA. I don't take them lightly when the playoffs start. Tenth on defense, fourth on special teams, where they're almost always good. They, they've had one or two down years recently on special teams, but you know with Taub there, they're, they're and always top going to be there. They're always two going or three, four in coaching, obviously, yeah. you know, just based yeah. on Andy Reid's yeah. resume. Oh, yeah. No, no, no doubt. And so you have uh, Baltimore second, first, and second. Kansas City, 6th, 10th, and 4th, and Dallas, 10th, 5th, and 8th. Those are the three teams that are ranked in the top 10 in all three categories. Uh, the best balanced teams in football. Not the best three teams in football, although I think for now Baltimore might be number one. Uh, San Francisco is only out of it because their special teams have not been very good. And we've seen that in some right. of their losses mm-hmm. this year that the special teams have uh, broken down. Uh, we'll give you uh, a. It's it's not easy to identify the three teams that aren't in the top twenty, aren't good at anything, um, because one of those three teams, uh, two of the three have been eliminated, but one of those three teams is still in contention for a playoff spot. Yep. That team being the Atlanta Falcons, who ranked twenty sixth on offense, twenty first on defense, twenty ninth on special teams. Uh, Washington 24th, 31st, and 26th. And uh, the Giants barely made it, 20th on special teams. They were uh, 30th and 23rd offensively and defensively. But the third team is Carolina, 31st, 26th, and 23rd on special teams. The Raiders, when you're talking about yards per game generated on offense, uh, obviously, as you would imagine, it's bad. They're 29th in the league. But the Broncos... At 28th in DVOA. Mm-hmm. So. The Broncos at 299.1 yards yeah. per game, not able to break that 300-yard barrier. Uh, they are three spots better, but that puts them 26th in the league. Well, it does, and DVOA gives the Broncos a, a bit more favor offensively, ranking them 18th. But uh, the Raiders and the Broncos are back-to-back at the bottom of the third tier, if you break the NFL into four 18 tiers, okay. the Broncos are at the bottom with the Raiders, the third tier, the Raiders are 23rd. Yeah, non-playoff teams, right. Uh, 28th, 11th, and 13th. The Broncos are 24th at 18th, 30th, and out of the top 10 for the first time this year on special teams, number 11. Uh, the bad punting has caught up to them. Uh, Lutz's field goal miss the other day didn't help the special teams ranking. Right. And some of the missteps in the return game, although Marvin Mims made the Pro Bowl as a punt returner, he did not make it as a kickoff returner for reasons that are obvious if you watch the New England game. Uh, but, yes, uh, one thing you can say with great assurance about this game on Sunday is you have two evenly matched teams, though the rivalry in the 20s has not been even. The Broncos have not beaten the Raiders since 2019. 
So in the 2020s, the Broncos are over against the Las Vegas Raiders. Ugh. I mean, just imagine that. And and this is uh, it, it's an interesting game because I'm not really sure when you take a look at it, wins and losses, neither of the teams are going to make the playoffs. It's who finishes second, who finishes third. Uh, the Broncos could have a winning record, but they will miss the playoffs. And at a certain point, and I'm not even going into, into Sean Payton's statement prior to the season that if they weren't a playoff team, he'd be, quote, pissed off. I'm I'm not even getting to that point. But the idea of, for Broncos fans, and that's why I, I guess I, I ask you, 303-831-1340 is common text. If the Broncos finish 9-8 and eight, instead of 8-9, and nine, does it change the way you perceive that the franchise is going? Does it alter your perception Can of their direction? Can I throw you a lifeline on this one? Yeah. Because I was at the beginning of the show yesterday at this time, some 24 hours ago, mm-hmm. I scoffed at the idea that there was much difference in substance between 8-9 and 9-8. and nine and eight. I'll throw you a lifeline. Though. If they do finish the year 9-8, and eight, they will do something, actually two something, that they have not done in a very long time. And that would be defeating the Chiefs and breaking that 16-game losing streak to Kansas City and beating the Raiders for the first time in this decade. Wow. So you would have that. Goodness. You would have that going for you. Hey, they haven't done it. In the last three years, they haven't beaten either team. It feels in the last three years, and they beat them both this year. If they win on Sunday, right in Las Vegas, right. Okay, that's a that's a that's a good one. That's your lifeline for today. And they swept the Chargers. So the the yeah, (laughs) including what was left of the Chargers in that last game of of the year. But you're right because for years, the division, and that's something we talked about yesterday. The idea of considering yourself a playoff contender, in my mind, with rare exception, although there are exceptions, if you can't say with a straight face that this team could win a division, then you're not a contender. Or at least finish the year with a winning divisional record, right? right? And the first step to do that... Three and three or worse is 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 not a record befitting a division champion. No, And And the Raiders would go to four and two in the division if they had won, and they'd very much look like the second place team. So... For, for the Broncos, it is it is important. And that's a good point there, Sandy, because uh, you've swept the Chargers, you split with the Chiefs. That's you, another lifeline. You'd have a winning division right. record. You split you with the Raiders and you'd have a winning division record. These, of course, are the same three teams you'll be competing against next year if you start to feel like you're getting a little traction. Now you play better against the Commanders and the Jets of the world, and you're a playoff team. But at the same time, if they lose this game with Jared Stidham quarterbacking one team and Aiden O'Connell quarterbacking the other team, I also don't know if I look at it and say, finally, wow, you broke, you broke through against the Raiders because neither of these teams have anything to play for. In fact, if you're the Broncos and you know you need a quarterback now, unless you're really into the Jared Stidham experience, the Broncos could pick 16th or so with a win. With a loss, they could pick as low as 11th. That might be a wow, big, I didn't realize the gap was that large. difference. And obviously, it depends on other teams. But that's enough of a big difference there for the Broncos that, I don't know, 
How, how do you feel, Broncos fans? Your team is not going to make the playoffs, right? So, do you want the do you want the quick dopamine hit of wow they had a winning season, or would you rather they lose on Sunday and end up with a better draft position? I'll give you two points because I get this on personal text all the time. Are they tanking? Should they be tanking? A lot of it tanking. is about the Rockies and the Broncos. Okay, <laughs> then it, it, no, they're not tanking, but it is also true, and no one who is put in a position of more or less having to tell the truth, the unvarnished truth and nothing but the truth Mm -hmm. is going to contend that the Broncos are playing anyone at quarterback other than their second best quarterback. Right. I don't think anyone with a straight face can say that Jarrett Stidham is better than Russell Wilson. That you're playing Jarrett Stidham and not Russell Wilson doesn't mean you're tanking, but it means at the most important position, you're not putting your best foot forward, so to speak. You're right. not playing the best player. Well, it tells you then that the and Broncos are Sean less concerned Payton about knows that. the short term. It is a measure of Sean Payton's ego that for public consumption, he has no problem defending the notion that he is playing his best quarterback. Monumental evidence to the contrary, notwithstanding. Right. It, it That's really, the size of Sean Payton's ego. It's hard to believe. That, that he can't, yeah, can't publicly no. even go near the notion that he is uh, doing anything other than what's best for the team. What's best for the team and what is best for Sean Payton's ego we are finding increasingly are two very different things. Yeah, you have those. You remember those Venn diagrams in your high school? You had the circles and they overlapped and those sort of things. And that that does happen in sports, right? It happens in sports quite a bit. We always talk about players who are in the final year of a contract that they they want to go out and perform because they would like to get paid. But if they play really well, that's also good for their team. So it's not inherently bad. That's part of the business of sports. But. You are right in pointing out for Broncos fans who would like to see a winning season, Sean Payton must not think it's that important because he's prioritizing the longer term, his next quarterback, over the shorter term on Sunday. The head coach believes that 9-8 and eight or 8-9 eight doesn't make much difference or he'd be playing his best players. So that's part of this equation, too. You know, when you, when you take a look at it and you get excited about it and I, I, you know, I look at the previews, and when you, when you go to a lot of the sites, they'll say, oh, well, here's where you can get tickets. You, know, you can get tickets for uh, starting at $117. I don't know who's buying in Vegas where there are other things to do. A ticket to barely get into the uh, the stadium to watch two teams with backup well quarterbacks play for nothing. Right. Like, well, more power to you, I guess. But Oh, and can I briefly, because I know we'll talk about this later in the program, Put to rest once and for all. Uh, you kind of alluded to it, but I, I'm begging people, uh, those that are doing this, please stop. Make it one of your New Year's resolutions that at least for 2024, you're not going to do this. I am tired of hearing that the Broncos win or lose on Sunday. could have 
even should have been in the playoffs had they just, quote-unquote, taken care of business at home earlier this year against the Raiders, the Commanders, and the Jets. That's two more wins. My counterpoint to that is it is much, much, much easier for the Golden State Warriors to say they should be within a couple of games of the Nuggets, including a win last night, because they have blown not one, not two, not three, not four, but five leads of 18 points or greater Yikes. in the fourth quarter of games this year. Yeah, we'll talk about the Nuggets so and Warriors a bit don't later, but you're tell right. tell me about it. Because if you're saying the Broncos could be or should be 11-5 and five or even 10-6 uh, and six at this point, right? Yeah. Golden State Warriors should be 21-13 and 13 I mean, and I, nipping at the Nuggets' heels. If, if they had taken care of business and they're, they're an 11-win team and they're in the playoffs, are they starting? There's a reason I mean, you are they, blow are they games. starting Russell Wilson? You don't even know who your quarterback is. In the, you've benched your starting quarterback. I, who would you have any confidence, even in this AFC of the Denver Broncos, going up against as a wild card in the playoffs and beating? And, and I, I say that with complete honesty. The Broncos couldn't beat the Jets at home. Right. The only other team that's had a longer playoff drought than Denver that's and they lost yeah. to the Jets at home, mm-hmm. not just this year, but last year, too. And no, Sean Payton, you're not responsible for the 2022 not one. Not last year. This Jets. one, though. This one you are. This one was on you. But the Jets are the only team over basically a seven-year stretch with a substantially inferior record to that of the Broncos. And the Jets are 2-0 and in Denver over the last two years against the Broncos head-to-head. Bad teams lose to other bad teams. Mm-hmm. And last night when I'm watching and the Nuggets are down 18 with a little more than six and a half minutes to go in the game. I'm not saying that I'm anticipating victory, but you know what? Within three minutes, I am. <laughs> Within three minutes, I am. Right in the middle of their 25-4 to four finishing stretch. Just as I was convinced that the Broncos would blow the Washington game, mm-hmm. in which they had a huge lead about halfway into Washington's comeback. And you know who told you what was happening? The crowd did. Yep. The crowd in San Francisco last night told you that the Warriors were blowing the game. The crowd told you. They've seen it before. Yes, even at home. But if not at home, they've seen it. They've watched it on TV. You get, you know, this is unusual, I know, for folks around here. You can actually watch the Warriors on local TV in San Francisco in the Bay Area. You can actually watch them. So these fans have seen this act play out before, just as Bronco fans have for years now, basically the last seven and a half years almost, they've seen the Broncos routinely blow games just like they blew the Washington game, just like they blew the Raider game, 
just like they blew the Jets game. They've seen it over and over, at home, on the road, but never at a neutral site because the Broncos have not made the playoffs. They're not going to For either home games either. or road games or neutral site games. So going forward into this last game, what are they really playing for? We know what Jared Stidham is playing for, but what are any other players? They're playing They're playing to stay here in Denver. Are they playing for a bigger role? We'll talk about it next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Welcome back to the show. It is a football Friday, the last of the season for the Denver Broncos. They will take on the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday. The winner will finish second in the AFC West. If the Broncos do that, they will also have a winning record. So there is something at stake, although as we talked about, the uh, what's at stake is maybe in question. As Sean Payton, by playing Jared Stidham, is clearly prioritizing the longer term over the shorter term over this win, although it would be nice to win. And wanted to get your feedback on that as well. 303-831-1340 is the text line. Danny Bailey's man monitoring that. Danny, what have you found? Broncos 60 is uh, on the text line again. He says, bottom line, Broncos country didn't make the playoffs. Sean Payton lost three games because of play calling and sabotaging Russell Wilson because of his ego. Well, that's a a way to look at it when you throw out the term. Actually, the funny thing is, Sandy, I would say in my discussions this week, sabotage has been the hot button term. And what would you call it? You know, what does that mean? I, I think there's a there's an insinuation that sabotage is sort of an intentional the idea would be, let me make Russell Wilson look bad to get him out. I, I suspect that there is less of that overt. I think I, it's been more scapegoating yes. than it's been sabotage. And both, the, the texter is absolutely the right. Has both been absolutely involved the ego of Sean Payton. Yes, and, and there is an argument to be made, and I think that's the argument you make right now when you want to say that this game is important to get a win. You can make the argument, certainly, if not sabotage, that Sean Payton has not put his team in the best position to win every game. He has not made the changes to the playbook. He has not done whatever it is. Uh, You're not playing your best quarterback for financial reasons. That's obvious. He has not put his team in the best possible position to win. Does that go to level of sabotage? No, but we're splitting hairs. The coach's job in He's undermined He's undermined. That's the best way to put it. He has been undermining Russell Wilson. I think that's fair. And in this particular game, that's the part I think is interesting. If a win's important, you play your best players. You're not playing your best players. Period. You're not playing your best players. You're not playing your best quarterback. That's a financial decision, and it does have to do with Sean Payton, whether he was quote-unquote privy to the discussion or not, because as I explained earlier this week, if you really believe that my guess is he has plausible deniability. Yeah, Pey- right. Peyton and Penner would decide, oh, right. we, we, we threatened Wilson and he didn't change it. And Peyton go, oh, I had nothing to do with that. Right. But then 
to follow it if they said we didn't. But then we're benching him because he didn't change it. I laid out Sean Payton would say, oh, cool, that's fine. Whatever you guys say, tell me who to start. Right. I mean, obviously not true. So, you know, I the, the point the Broncos 60 makes, I think, is more important. Is it winning record? Nice. It is. Um, especially after you've had losing seasons for so long. But I think for Broncos country, it is the lack of playoffs that's important. I, I think at this point, it's gone so long. I don't think you celebrate a winning season. I think you're looking at playoffs. Like, let me know. And since when, when was nine and seven in 2016, even after winning the Super Bowl, when people understood the Broncos weren't going to repeat, and nine and seven was only bad because they started the year four and zero, and they were seven and three after ten games. Right. That's the only reason nine and seven was unacceptable. If they had missed the playoffs, somehow going ten and six or even eleven and five, which on Almost never happens, but back during the 16-game season, every now and then an 11-5 team missed the playoffs. Yeah. It happened to the Broncos one time. happened to the Patriots another time. Um, the year Tom Brady got hurt, they still won 11 games. That was after they had gone undefeated right. uh, until the Super Bowl the previous year. That was the work okay. that, with Matt Castle but, but that turned Josh McDaniels into the made, hot name. made the playoffs. Yeah, uh, no, but but again, not always. Sometimes eight and eight wins a division. Sometimes ten and six misses the playoffs. Last time that, the Broncos won the, the division, they were. That, yeah, that's the way it goes. Prior to Peyton Manning, but it was eight and eight. If the gold standard now, or something worthy of acknowledgement as a real turning point in the fortunes of the Broncos, consists of winning nine games, I'm sorry, I'm not signing up for that. Yeah, it does feel to me that it's great you won, but a good season, a good, a good season is double-digit wins. I, I think that's and, and last I, time I looked. Yeah, I also think if you know if the Broncos had gone, if the Broncos go, had they been able to go ten and seven and miss the playoffs, I think you could look at it and say, oh, well, that happens. Like you did. Like, oh okay. sure, oh sure. Most of the time, yeah. double-digit wins gets into the playoffs. It's ten and seven. They lost some tiebreakers, but I think well, you look they, at it I and think, say, eh, all right. Up until this year, good year. If you went ten and seven. Only once did you miss the playoffs. And right. what, what is this? The third or fourth year of the 17 games? Uh, it is the third year. Third year. Yes, of the 17 okay. games schedule. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yes, that, that, that's what's tricky about all of this. If they had won 10 games and missed the playoffs, people would feel a lot better. Yeah. Than I think they, so. they, they would feel about. Sneaking into the playoffs at nine and eight through right. some Byzantine tiebreaker procedure, right? I, I, I would think so. Yeah, and and really, the 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 playoffs mixed with double digit wins confers a kind of legitimacy mm-hmm. on the Broncos that they don't have at the moment. There are two teams in this city of the four major professional sports teams. Two teams who have clearly legitimacy and demonstrated legitimacy last night, roughly two hours apart. First, the Avalanche in Dallas, then the Nuggets in San Francisco. The other two teams are the Broncos and the Rockies, who have certainly, together over the past five years, demonstrated their illegitimacy. 
I don't know of a sports city in the country in which you can make that kind of divide between multiple legitimate major sports professional teams. Two championship that are contenders. Proven right. to be legitimate, authentic, the real deal, whatever phrase or expression you want to use. And two teams that have so clearly demonstrated that they're not even close to anyone's realistic sense of what legitimacy means. It, the only one I can think of off the top of my head of that's close is probably Boston. Boston now. Right, with with the Bruins and the Celtics. Boston now. And the Patriots but that's and the Red Sox reason. being irrelevant. But the, the Red Sox that's will relevant. spend their way back into relevance and short order or maybe not we'll see Patriots, <laughs> the red uh, Sox are a big market team acting like the rockies and the rockies are a small market team according to their owner acting like whatever is smaller than small market by the way the rockies one of only four major league baseball teams that uh, here it is in january have spent a grand total of zero dollars in free agency didn't they sign a couple of zero. people today I don't know that they were free agents, though. They may have just been. Yeah, there's, 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 there's I, been I, a, a I few did, additions. I did get a notice on that today. Well, at least up until today. They hadn't really spent they said, uh, well, anything. Well, no, they hadn't spent anything. Yeah. Up until today. And it, two, the two guys mentioned, I had never heard of either one. They did. They added a, a former Cardinals righty, Dakota Hudson, and right. then uh, catcher Jacob Stalin. But Dakota Hudson, I've heard of. Yeah, Hudson's twenty nine, Stallings is uh is thirty two, and it spent the last I've never couple heard years with the Marlins. Um, put it this way, not significant contractual no <laughs> outlays, but I guess they, that gets them off right. of the, it gets them off yeah. of the zero, gets them off zero. Yeah. But it's uh, but but don't you agree? I I yeah. mean Boston is the right. City. That's the only right other city now. That's where I think that's two and that. two where it's split. Celtics and Bruins, authentic. Red Sox and Patriots living off yeah. reputation, reputation developed years ago. How long, and Sandy, you've been doing this since, what, 1978, covering the Broncos? 79. 79, okay. The Broncos in, in my my lifetime, growing up here. Right. Because of the, the time, of, you know, I was born, I was post, you know, merger. But the Broncos had never been a team in which they were not basically since 1977 couple gaps but they have basically been from 77 until i would say 2005 and that that's you know we know they won a super bowl since then that was a team that year in year out the denver broncos were like oh well the broncos they're in the mix like every year and they i were, think they were considered an automatic and we're talking about in spite of decades the worth. eight year absence from the playoffs they're still treated that way. Right. They haven't lost their reputation. You, you, now, the announcers assigned to their games aren't, except in the rarest of circumstances when the opposition right. commands it, they, they aren't being followed by the top broadcasting teams. Uh, no. Right? No, you're not getting the top. Generally spot. speaking. Yeah. You know, on Monday Night Football, there's only one broadcasting right. team, uh, unless there are two games. But they are still nationally regarded as a they team still have the to rep. be taken 
Seriously. It's a little bit, it's a little bit like the Red Sox, where I think pay, people by default go, oh, well, the Red Sox will be in it because you're just used to well, it. Well, you're used to it, but the fact of the matter is the Red Sox have finished last mm-hmm. more often than not over the last and eight or nine years. During this eight-year span, hypothetically, if the Broncos were or to more often than in yeah. any other particular If the Broncos spot were to lose, league. let's say, hypothetically, right? Yeah. That would mean in an eight-year span, because in the last seven, they've finished higher than third once in their division. That's it. Isn't that amazing? That's it. Isn't that amazing? So, I mean, one time. Higher than third. Higher than third in the last eight years. You're not Isn't a contender. Remarkable? You're not and a they contender. have a chance to make it two, I guess. Yeah, they, they, they could two. But, I mean, yeah. two times in eight years, you yeah. you finished higher than Maybe. third? Maybe you second. You finished second? Yeah. I, I don't know how yeah. impressive that really is. But, I mean, and that's what the Broncos the, are looking the at. The other time they finished second, they weren't close to first either. Uh, no, they still had a losing record, as a matter of fact. Right. Seven and nine that right. year, despite finishing second. So, yeah. it was, you know, the losing yeah. records have been going on could, could for we a have, while. Could we have both? Would this be too much to ask? A winning I'm record not, and second place? Winning record you and could. second place. It's like the quarterback with 3,000 yards passing and a QBR of over 50.0, which actually, Russell Wilson, my guess is, would not, had he continued to play, would not have made 50.0. But since he was benched, he's at 50.6, well, I, I believe. I, I suspect so he would have played. he's done it. He would have been fine, I think, against the folks wearing Chargers uniforms last week. I think it would uh, probably maybe. Been fine. Maybe, but the Raiders really do have a good defense. They do. And Max Crosby plays hard all the time. Yes, and uh, he'll be facing a backup right tackle for the Broncos, Mike McGlinchey. Oh, he's already licking his job. by the way. Uh, so, you know, the local squad is is, is going to get there, but, you know, there's, there's other ways that you can have fun there with the remainder of football season. You can refer a friend and earn a $50 bonus this season with Superbook Sports. Superbook's the most trusted name in sports wagering, and you don't want to miss their refer a friend bonus. All you need to do is click on the refer a friend link under your profile in the Superbook app, share the promo code with your friends, and then you'll get a $50 bonus for everyone who registers using that code. So win money wagering and win money referring with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. Well, we're going to spend some time on a Friday looking at those two elite teams in town. One of them's on the ice. One of them has the best player in hockey, and he showed it again last night. We'll talk about the Avalanche and Nathan McKinnon next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Bang the head, and McKinnon's got to break away to win it in overtime. He scores! Nathan McKinnon wins it in overtime, and the comeback is complete. Trailing 4-2, the Avs rally all the way back to win it by a final score of 5-4. They do indeed. You hear Mark Mosher from Altitude TV on the call. 4-2 to on the road in the third period. You figure they're done. Uh, the, the usual suspects, Tyler Seguin, Joe Pavelski with goals, as you expect. It seems like every time they play yeah, well, out of the abs. You know, Sagan and Pavelski have played for different teams, and it doesn't matter 
for whom they are playing. They, they just, kill the Avs. They burn the Avs. But the Avs came storming back. A goal from Jonathan Drouin, his second of the game, and then a goal from Miko Ranton and to tie it at yeah. 4-4 with only uh, a minute and change left yeah. on the, the, the very clock. definition of a garbage man's greasy mm-hmm. sort of goal. Yeah. And McKinnon and Ratnan and now Druen are scoring those kinds of goals. They and are. what I love about Druen's game, it isn't fancy Dan stuff. It isn't the mm-hmm. kind of goal scoring that he did with McKinnon in junior uh, hockey. It's He's a working man's winger now. And he's both making plays and scoring goals in high traffic areas that many players of his size are unwilling to go. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the the nice thing about Drew is he he's not small. I mean, he's basically Nathan McKinnon oh, no. is listed no. at six foot two hundred pounds and he's plenty physical. Drew Ann's 5'11", 198. I mean, they're yeah. basically the same size. So he's he's not small. It's just he's not uh Miko Rantanen size or Valeri Nachushkin or no. and, and, and it's Gabe Landis never dog. really been his style, but I think he's figured out, particularly playing with high end players now, which he wasn't really doing his last few years in Montreal. He he had been demoted and used uh, sporadically with high-end players. And now, of course, he's gone from uh, near the basement, if not in the basement, uh, from Montreal to uh, the Avalanche, and I think has found his niche. He, he's, uh, to borrow a term, found his groove. But, yes, I think he's found that niche. Okay, what can I give this line? And you can give it a kind of grit that people didn't suspect you'd be getting this year in any case from Jonathan Druin. And now you're getting over the last 11, 12 games, you're getting a point a game. 12 points in his last 11 games. Two goals last night. He was the first star of the game. Uh, He was. I I mean, to me, McKinnon. Me too. I agree. Over the last two weeks has been... Certainly in every avalanche win, the best player on the ice. But Duran had two goals and was plus two. I, I think the guy who had two goals and assist, three points and was plus four, and played 26 minutes, 47 seconds of a game that lasted 60 minutes and, what, 32 seconds mm-hmm. into overtime? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that guy was probably the number one star. But any one of the three stars, I suppose, could have been the number one star of the game last night. That's how good the avalanche were in the last what 10 minutes 16 seconds yeah uh, they, they were down four to two with 10 16 remaining mm-hmm. uh, scored to make it four three and then uh, scored with the extra attacker um i remember one or two games earlier this year that the avalanche uh, lost in overtime giving up an extra attacker goal when they had open nets and missed them. Yeah. That happened to Dallas last night. And it's actually happened twice this year in Dallas that the Avalanche have been three goals down the first time and come back to win 6-3. And last night down two goals with just over 10 minutes to play and came back and won in overtime, got the two points. Yeah, Dallas gets a point, but at this Mm. stage – the Avalanche have played two more games in Dallas right. 
getting a head-to-head point, an extra point, yeah. uh, that's very valuable. Now, Winnipeg is playing tonight. Yep. I don't believe they the Avs or Stars play. Winnipeg is playing Anaheim. Winnipeg is going through the JV portion of their schedule. It seems they're playing a bad team every night. Not that they aren't playing well. They are. And they have the highest point percentage in in the division. And I believe now in the conference, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So if they win tonight, they'll still have a game in hand on the Avalanche. And they'll be one point ahead of the Avalanche. But you look at the Avalanche winning in the fashion than they did last night. And McKinnon who is uh, speaking more, I notice, after games. I noticed that, too. All of a sudden of late, uh, he's speaking a lot more. And what he says is valuable. He says, this feels more like two years ago when we were resilient and we came back and we won a bunch of games like this. And we had a belief that he is suggesting they never quite developed Correct. last year, even though they finished 31-7-4 yes. last year. Correct. They never had that belief, and it showed in the Seattle series. When they got behind, they stayed behind. Right, and and that's that's been a problem for the Avs in the, in the last season. It really was. And now you have a team, and that confidence really does matter, that, that they know they can do it. And you'd rather not be down 4-2 in the third, but no. you come back and win, and that way you can kind of remind yourselves a little bit, hey, we're, we're, the, we're the Colorado Avalanche. Look at the guys we got in this room. We're, we're good. We can we can go ahead and win these games. The Avs now have won four straight. They have a point in seven straight. Uh, they've won six out of those seven. They you, should have won all seven. Yes. And yes. The, you know, maybe this partially makes loss. up for the 4 nothing game they blew. Now, they got a point in that game that I would say – was a lost opportunity Ooh, based yeah. on the fact they were at four nothing yeah. one point. Gotta Last night they got two when with honestly, with ten and a half minutes to go, you'd have settled for one. Second game in a row. And and Georgiev has been in net. Alexander Georgiev has been in net for the, the last uh, seven in all of these games. Second game in a row, though, he's coughed up four goals against the save percentage under I, I, I 90. I thought it was different though last night. I thought it was different. Okay. If you you watch the game. Yeah. I, 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 I did too. I mean, I thought there were better high-quality shots. Ross, it was a better team. Ross Colton gave him the first goal. Uh, I yep. mean, you've got to be kidding. The Avs have had a few turnover you, issues You've like got to be kidding. Uh, so that you can in no way, shape, or form uh, blame that one on uh, on Georgiev. Uh, two of the others, maybe. I mean, one was a power play goal. That ha- And one that was happens, a power play right. goal, and that and that can happen. Dallas got a real good power play. They've got plenty of talent uh, on their power play. And uh, actually, Dallas and the Avs are very well matched that mm-hmm. way. They and, are. And and I thought it was they're interesting, fun, fun though, two to teams me, to watch play against each after other. After the game from the Dallas side, the point was made, you know, their big guys are better than our big guys tonight. And that's saying something, because I thought Sagan and Pavelski and the other top-line guys for Dallas are pretty good. Now, Hankinen got hurt right. in a third parade, which probably was a break. It was a factor, for sure. I mean, obviously, you know, he, uh, you're talking about a guy you know, that did, he did have an assist on that power play he's, earlier. He's premier a uh, premier defenseman. Right. Uh, with all due respect to what he did in the 22 playoffs, Bo Byram is not. So if you're trading, you know, both guys going out with lower body injuries, 
Yeah, uh, that it's hurts a good Dallas trade more. for the Avalanche. Yeah, it, it is. And then they have, they find a, uh, themselves getting another win now, raising the record on the road to nine seven and three. Uh, Dallas drops to twelve six and two at home. But th- this is a big month for the abs you talked about winnipeg they get going florida through the, tomorrow yeah, night. the jv so part the of their schedule schedule's tough it gets tough now for the abs you know they get florida tomorrow uh and then monday boston comes yep. into town that's wednesday right. vegas comes yep. into town that's that's the three-game homestand and it's nasty and then they leave for a five-game roadie and that's long enough to be they get taxing. boston again yeah they toronto, toronto montreal ottawa boston philadelphia and this is compressed because they will play on Saturday the 13th, get one day off, Monday the 16th, play the next night on Tuesday, uh, or pardon me, couple, one more day off on the 18th, and then again on Saturday the 20th. So you're talking about five games on the road in that seven-game span, seven-day span. In like one calendar week, you're playing five out of seven, all on the road. So it's going to be a, a heavy lift for the Avalanche, basically for the rest of the month, but they are playing well at the right time. Yeah, and, and they're scoring goals. And, yes, and when you look at that's, the scoring the trick, the scoring stats individually, they've got four of the top 26-point producers in the NHL playing for them. Uh, you, you certainly know about three, McKinnon, Ranton, and McCarr. Nishushkin, the fourth yeah, right now. So if you, and I don't believe any other team has four in the top 26. I, other than the Avalanche. I would not think I so. don't believe anybody has four. And, you know, Taves is not scoring uh, at a remarkable pace this year necessarily. But, you know, last night you just shrug. Two assists plus one gives you his 23 and a half minutes. And he didn't make a mistake all night. No. In in a game where I I thought it was one of the better played games I've seen this year, the Avs had four takeaways but only seven giveaways last night. Dallas had four takeaways and nine giveaways. Neither team in double figures, takeaways or giveaways. Pretty cleanly played game last night. The huge error was Colton's. Just handing who's, who's them the first goal silver. Who's just better. He's, he's been It's brutal. been really disappointing. Brutal. He played barely 12 minutes last night as a third-line center between Cogliano and O'Connor. Um he played more than both, but O'Connor and Cogliano were both. I mean, consider this, right? Colton last year. The Avs fans have been kind of down on, on Ryan Johansson. Okay, that's fine. He has you know, 11 goals on the year. Uh, but Johansson, of course, fair to say somewhat maybe passed to prime. Ross Colton yep. most certainly is not. Ross Colton has 17 points and is a minus four on the year. Johansson has 15 and is a minus two. Uh, if, if you were to say that, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be looking at it saying, wow, that's a big Ryan Johansson problem. I'd be like, what's wrong with Ross Colton? Yes. He's got to be better than that. And I agree. And that's got to be turned around. In fact, I think probably, at least when you're talking about the forward lines, I think he's been the biggest disappointment. On the bright side, I think we know enough about Ross Colton to have faith that he can turn things around. And so that's positive, too. Uh, Duran, by the way, up to 20 points on the season with the two goals last night, if you were curious, because obviously considered somewhat of a reclamation project, he has not had a 30-point season since the 2018-2019 campaign. And five over the ago. last 11 games, five years ago. he's better than a point-per-game yeah. guy. Yeah. So and, at least and all systems go on that. A million bucks. And, 
you know, basically making legal. Chris middle. McFarlane now gets blamed for a lot of stuff because Joe Sackick stepped aside following the Stanley Cup year, right? Of twenty one, twenty two. That's the time to go. And <laughs> McFarlane steps in, and he's supposed to keep the train on the tracks. And I think he's done a pretty good job. It's a pretty expensive train. Considering the abs are 56, 18, and 7 in their last 81 games. Right. The game tomorrow night will mark a full season's worth of games since the Chicago loss in mid-January of 2023. That was a low point for the abs. They were 2017 and 3 at that point and in danger of missing the playoffs. They were not a playoff team at that point. 2017 and 3 finished 31, 7, and 4. And have started this year at 25, 11, and 3. Not too. Kale McCarr now 45 points, 11th in the league, second among all yep. defensemen, only a point behind uh, the terrific Quinn Hughes. And Vancouver. had five blocks last night. And you know, I loved on defense. I love McCarr with five blocks, and I love Gerard with four blocks. Miko Randon, by the way, eighth, 48 points. Nathan McKinnon ties Nikita Kucherov with his goal last night, meaning he is now tied atop the entire NHL in points. The next closest guy with Kucherov and McKinnon, David Pasternak of Boston, 11 and points By the way, not, not to pick on Kucherov, but he's a minus player this year. He is a minus player this McKinnon year. McKinnon is not. Uh, no, plus 12, as a matter of fact. Uh, and and the goal, uh, just brilliant at the end of the game, so much so that uh, he could have passed it to Devon Taves. Taves literally slowed down almost to remove himself from the play as they had a two-on-nothing break. I set you up. Uh, McK- you you know, finished. You, you can handle this one, big fella. And <laughs> Nathan McKinnon cashes it in. As sports fans in town, you are extremely lucky to have a couple players in this town, maybe the very best in their sports. We will compare Nathan McKinnon. We talked about him, of course. We'll compare Nathan McKinnon <laughs> and Nikola Jokic. The yeah. differences aren't as stark as you might think. We'll do that next on Mile High Sports.